Well, hello. For those who I haven't been able to meet, if you're visiting, my name's Jim. Uh, I'm the associate minister here at the church, and, um, uh, and, uh, and Stephen's going to be taking communion for us a little bit later, and I have the, the privilege of being able to share some thoughts this morning um, from, uh, from the Bible, the, the Word of God, where we encounter the God of the Bible through the story that is, that is told and the scriptures that are, that are written. And so um, uh, this morning, I'm going to share some thoughts a little bit about Epiphany Sunday and, uh, and from Matthew chapter 2. And I suppose, on, really what I've been thinking about is the fact that, and we've heard some thoughts of that, is that it's been a very busy season and for some can be quite overwhelming in many different ways for lots of different reasons and particularly in kind of 25 or 30 minutes uh, sermon on a Sunday you're never able to cover the breadth and depth of all of those things that we encounter and perhaps carry and, and go through and bring to the table though we do our best to try and do so in some broad um, sweeping strokes really but I suppose for some of us uh, this festive season may have been quite full, full homes uh, in lots of different ways with family or friends visiting and, and whatnot at different points or perhaps full cars with going to places to, uh, to visit others and, uh, and barely a spare moment perhaps to, to stop and pause for those different commitments and responsibilities that we all have. I'm just starting my countdown so I know where I'm at. There will have been perhaps gifts exchanged and lots of new items, particularly probably for, for the young people and children where there are lots of presents exchanged and whatnot and perhaps old things got rid of and perhaps a lot of clutter. If you were like us, perhaps yesterday we went through the experience of the perhaps 10 or 12 days ago, the enjoyment of, oh, let's put up the decorations fantastic well actually I don't think I did I wasn't I wasn't there was I babe sorry my wife but do you want to tell this story uh but many uh and then yesterday perhaps for some <laughs> a different experience of let's get rid of the decorations as quickly as we can take them down now because the year has started uh and uh and so there was no music playing as there was previously there was silence or something perhaps the tv on in the background and take them down uh and perhaps we go through that i spoke to friends and perhaps we would be in this position where the amount of food consumed there's lots of Regretful adults going, why did I do that? At a moment of reflection, yesterday, a day before, when I saw on the news, the, um, the local news, that in, in Bristol, the amount of e extra waste purely through the festive season, I, I, was, I can't remember the numbers, so I won't try and quote them, uh, but, uh, but I remember watching the news and going, oh my goodness. But then also for some as well of us, perhaps Christmas hasn't been as full. Perhaps there's been the other side which many of us go through at Christmas as well, where it can be quite difficult, we can feel isolated, we can be managing lots of different change, loss and grief that goes on at these times as well. And actually that can be either a lot of clutter 
for us in different ways, be that physically and perhaps emotionally and mentally there can be lots of clutter or perhaps another way that we can feel sometimes is that can be quite dark and so I wanted to kind of use those two perhaps um, uh, images or illustrations this morning to help communicate something of our message that sometimes we can feel quite cluttered or sometimes we can feel quite dark And it can be like a heavy cloud on us. And actually, particularly this morning when we look at Matthew 2, which I'll I'll read. And I've really been wrestling with how much of this chapter to read. I've landed on, we may well just read it all. Um, and, um, uh, And so I tend to read from the New Living Translation. I just, I like the the way that things are phrased and um, uh, captures things. But of course, uh, that's not to say that I don't read other translations of the Bible as well. And so you may be doing that. Some of the the words um, may be uh, be slightly different. uh, But this is the story, really, that 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 Epiphany orients around. And Matthew chapter 2, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Take note of the characters in this story, if you will. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and And he learned from them that the time when the star first appeared, then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled 
what also God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets said, he will be called a Nazarene. What a chapter. Quite significant things, quite terrifying things going on. Lots of the characters that we're introduced to, of course, Jesus, the baby, we've got King Herod, we've got the wise man or the magi, we've got Mary, we've got Joseph, we've got the angel appearing and we've got leading priests and teachers that are are brought into the conversation. We've got Herod's soldiers who are tasked to go and do some awful things. We've got Herod's son who's in the mix as well. So you've got all these characters that are brought into this story with mixed motives as well in certain uh, parts of the characters and their intentions. And of course, firstly, of these characters, I'm not going to get to, to all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly want to come to the three wise men, the Magi, Gentiles, not Jewish people, who had seen the star rise, astrologers, pagans, people that had seen a star rise and were drawn to worship the king, who was not the king on the throne as yet, but was the newborn baby, the king of the Jews, and there was something that was calling them who were not part of a certain tribe or nation at that time, but this is an announcement, an epiphany of saying everybody is called to worship the king because Jesus is not just the king of one set tribe or nation or people group, but he's been announced as the king of all. It's the announcement and the invitation for all to come and worship the king. I think that a significant part of Christmas, of the epiphany story that we come to is firstly the centrality of worship, that our purpose when we are called, when we are... When, not by any good deeds nor thing that we have done, but purely by a work of the Holy Spirit as the scales are lifted from our eyes by the work of the Holy Spirit. This is God. We're not called to do. We're called to worship. To a place of saying, I bring all that I am purely to worship Jesus.
what I love and I'm challenged by, and I'm not preaching at you at all on any given Sunday, but certainly not this morning. I am speaking to myself. They are called to worship God, and what I love is this, they bring their treasure chests. What is it that you treasure? Above all else, who is it that you treasure above anything and anyone else? And are we willing at the start of 2020 to allow the Holy Spirit to say, are you willing to bring that treasure in worship to God? That dream, that hope, that gifting, that talent, that desire, this is my treasure and Jesus I worship you with it it's the whole principle we wrestle with really when it comes to tithes and offerings when we say well 10% I give to God actually may I say 100% is God's he just entrusts 90% with us perhaps more but but actually it's it's all God's And so where and how we distribute and how we give that and what we do with that is something that we wrestle with and work through. And and, and actually the beauty about something like this is that it's not uniform for each person. There are things that God speaks to us about as individuals that will be different for me as it may be for you. I remember when I was a teenager, and this isn't for every teenager, and perhaps you have been there and done this, perhaps you are there right now, but I remember specifically being quite challenged in prayer by the music I was listening to. So I thought in my furore and passion, it is time for me to let go of the plethora of CDs that I had because I must only listen to Christian music and I still now have the CDs of the Foo Fighters and U2 and other bands that I really lent into and, uh, and, and now listen to and love and think man I wish I had those CDs thankfully we've got streaming services but still There are different things at different times, perhaps for seasons, perhaps lifestyle choices for long periods of time. This isn't about it being one decision for all people. But we all have treasure and these people brought their treasure to, I think epiphany is about this, that in the darkness and the clutter of our lives at different points, Jesus is born and entered into that darkness of humanity as we bumble around trying to find our way to meaning and purpose and love and, and hope and acceptance and a place to belong, a home where we can be and Jesus brings light. I think in this story, the, the light that Jesus shines on tribalism and, and, and exclusionist and divisive and nationalistic things that were going on and still go on in, in the world today and for many of us in different ways, shines his light on all of these divisive isms and differences and says, Jesus is king of all. Whether or not we allow him to be some of us we love Jesus as saviour but Jesus as king and lord is a different kettle of fish 
We can accept that, okay, we're forgiven, but do I want to walk in that way that God is calling me to become the person God has created? That's not easy. In fact, you cannot do it in your own strength. It is only with the love and grace of God in God's time, not my time, nor your time, but God's time that we can actually be those people. So we're called to worship him. So perhaps in this story, we, are, we could identify with the Magi, the wise people that were, that were following the star. And maybe God is calling us to a place of worship to open our treasure chests and trust God with those things. Perhaps also this character, King Herod in the story. Wow. He's wrestling with such clutter and darkness in his own heart and mind and life that he's going through, deeply concerned about being dethroned, the loss of power, of influence, of, of position, a change in his function and what he would see as purpose. He had ill motive, in fact, plotted and ordered the death of many children committing genocide. This motive, this crime, this... You know, not everybody you meet in life has good motives. Perhaps there are times, as with Herod, jealous, defensive, insecure, deceitful, and in doing so, hurting others. You know, the, 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 the saying perhaps many of us heard at, at different points, hurt people, hurt people. When we are hurt, sometimes out of our defensiveness, we end up hurting others. So perhaps in some way, we could identify at different points at different times in our lives, not with the atrocity of crimes that are committed by this man, but his inner journey of jealousy and defensiveness. And so I wonder at this time, and maybe we're not going to get much further than even these two characters and may revisit this next week, in fact, but as we allow the light of Jesus to shine on our lives, as we capture this moment, you know, there's a moment at the start of a year where the enthusiasm is rife. I'm going to change my diet. What, what, what's the, it's the fifth. Are we still there? I don't know. There's an there's a, there's a, there's a influx of enthusiasm where this year I will exercise more. <laughs> There's a moment to capture. Now, whether or not, you know, we all have our views on resolutions and those decisions at the turn of the year, that's fine, I get that. But I think we could probably all agree there is a moment. There is a moment to capture and say, is this truly a decision I can make that is sustainable? Now, some of these decisions are that moment that are thrust by the Holy Spirit. And so I wonder if we allow the light of Jesus to shine on the jealousy that we can have. Comparison, perhaps, that we often do. You know, comparison is a significant killer of joy. When we look at others and what's happening, go, oh, well, I haven't got that. 
I'm not that. I'm not them. I'm not there. Why are they there and I'm not? And we compare and it kills joy. I wonder if we can allow the light of Jesus to shine on our lives and allow by his transforming power to turn the jealousy that we can easily encounter and carry into gratitude. Perhaps we can have that, that, that gratitude to be maybe in a practical sense. Yes, we allow the Holy Spirit to do it, but I wonder, maybe in a practical sense, something as simple as each day writing a short list of the things we're grateful for in our lives. When I say things, I don't just mean possessions, items. But that which we're grateful for, maybe something as simple as each morning for five minutes. We spend five minutes thinking of that which we're grateful for. In fact, a few weeks ago, Felicity and I had a conversation as, and, and we, we, um, we've been going through the prayer course most recently, a set of our life groups, which we, we're formulating as we, uh, as, as we go into the next season to see what that looks like. Um, and, um, uh, and, and actually, in light of that course, Felicity had brought to my attention a, um, uh, a, um, an app uh, which is called Lexio 365, which is done by the, 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 the Pete Gregg and the, the makers of, 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 of the prayer course. And it's about somewhere between, what, seven to ten minutes uh, or so. And it's an app that you download. It's absolutely free. It's a daily devotional. And it's set in the flow of what has been the prayer course. And, um, and so I've, you know, in light of that conversation, I've been using that a little bit here and there as well and uh, with my own flow of, of what I like to do in my devotions. And, and actually, man, in there, there's just that moment of pausing and being still and listening and being able to give thanks. And so if you've got a smartphone, I would heartily recommend that as a try if you were looking for something. But maybe we can let the light of Jesus shine on perhaps some of that comparison that we can have. What about this? What about if we allow the light of Jesus to shine on the defensiveness that we can so easily have at different points to be transformed into surrender, to be able to let go and let Jesus be king? Because there's something powerful about this story, that Jesus was a baby, vulnerable, dependent on others, and yet king and saviour of the world. And there's something about vulnerability that is not weak, but it takes deep courage and strength to be able to be vulnerable. It's not weak. It took real strength for God to say, here is my son as a baby. And also we live in a world that plauds independence, to be self-sustainable and not trust or rely on others. But yet, faith and Christianity is about interdependence and community life and trusting others. So I wonder whether this year, perhaps in a process, there can be that surrender of that which we've been holding on to and let go. Perhaps we can allow the light of Jesus and all of that only the Spirit of God can do to shine on our insecurities and transform it to being content. To be content in a world that's completely dissatisfied, that's striving where greed never gives up, 
where only in the system in which we live, more and more and more. In consumerism, keep buying to keep feeling good, to keep feeling satisfied. But yet, in faith in God, to allow our identity to be clothed as a child of God, to be transformed, to come home, to come home, that we are image bearers in the creation story. This is what's lost. This is what's slightly thwarted. And yet God calls us home to carry his image. That as we allow those insecurities, as we entrust them to God and for contentment, for in worship of God, and perhaps in practice of self-compassion. Church, perhaps some would say it's said too often. I'm not sure if it's, if it's said too much. Perhaps it's not quite embraced as it should be. Or we, maybe we find this statement difficult to embrace. You are loved by God. If I were to say there is no part of you that is not loved by God, every part of your being is loved by God. And if that is so, why are we so hard on ourselves? Continually punishing ourselves in different ways. And we can be so hard on ourselves. And yet perhaps, and I'm not going to apologize for being to the point this morning. It's the start of the year and we have a moment to capture, to say, God, I'm here. And that insecure, and I do it gently and graciously, knowing that it is only the Spirit of God. And there may be some that God speaks to this morning and others of us that we keep waiting and we may say, I'm just not ready. And I want to say that's okay. But maybe there's a time where we will be ready. Where we allow that insecurity and we say, God, I don't want to strive. I don't want to be hard on myself. I'm not that failure. I'm not that person that for various reasons I still hold on to. I want to be content. I want to come home and be at home with you. My God, my King, my Saviour. And perhaps God is wooing us this morning through his Spirit in saying, come home. One final point as we come to a close and we take communion. Perhaps this year, we allow the light of God's love and his son to shine on the deceit that we can often have. Herod, calling to meet with people to tell them one thing, but yet having an ulterior motive. This may not be what we do intentionally. But perhaps there are times where we maybe exaggerate Maybe, well, just a white lie. Just whatever it may well be, we say, do we have to big it up because actually our ego comes out and if I just say what it really is, I don't really feel that I'm the person that I want to be. Well, maybe if we allow the Holy Spirit, the light of Jesus to shine on that deception we can all have, 
half-truths, inflated ego and ill motives and exaggeration to transform into honesty. To practice truth and living in the light. You don't have to dress it up for God. There's nothing that can scare God, nothing that makes God run away. It's us that do the running away at times. And maybe this morning and at the start of this year, maybe this afternoon or in the next few days, we hear the sweet, gentle call of God saying, come home. Open your treasure. Bring it to me. Trust once again. But come home. And I wonder, in that sort of space in our lives, the miracles that we will see with the true presence of God. So how can we do that? Well, perhaps, perhaps something quite simple as jumping into Bible reading with that app that I just mentioned. Perhaps it's something that's kind of fell by the wayside and maybe prayer lives have fallen by the wayside and that's okay, don't beat yourself up. Perhaps something so simple as a short Bible reading, little and often, is better than a lot irregularly for all of us in lots of different ways. Perhaps part of that jumping into truth is is jumping into initiating meaningful relationships and participation. You know, there's lots of ways that we can be on the fringes, on the edges, perhaps of church life as an example. And we don't want to well, I've been there and that's, it's not always gone well or there's something we're bringing to the table, something we've gone through or we're on the free, or maybe we're exploring, that's all right, but maybe this year is about jumping into the truth and being in meaningful relationships and participating in community life. There's always ways we can get involved. There's always ways we can develop new skills We use the skills that we have to participate in community life. That's not just so that we do stuff, but in that we learn about ourselves. So maybe there are, when we allow the light of the Holy Spirit to shine on these areas of our lives, and there's lots of different characters that we could get into, but I think with those two alone this morning is probably where I'll stop and We'll go into communion, but let's just say this epiphany is about light shining in the clutter, the confusion, and the darkness of our hearts and minds and lives, but also our systems, and saying it doesn't have to be like that. There is another way, and it is the way of Jesus and the way of the kingdom. And that gives me headspace. In fact, as a slight disclosure, and I close with this, at Christmas when we had family over, we got into discussion. Of course we did. We couldn't help it, and I tried to stay silent for so long. Kerian was out of the room, unfortunately, because otherwise... She would have kicked me under the table, firmly grabbed my hand, or blatantly slapped me around the face to stop me from commenting, but I couldn't. 
I said, that's it. <laughs> I've just had enough of it all. I'm neither of them. I want to be for Jesus. And I'm wrestling with what that looks like. But there is another way amongst all of it. And it is the way of the Christ, the Messiah, the King of the Jews, and the King of all.